0: You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Welcome back to the Fair Game podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Robert Smith, your host. Today's guest joins us from Palmetto, Florida, where he's the manager of the Manatee County Fair, which got to, I got to say is frankly, in the middle of a pandemic, one of the luckiest fairs, the way they have uh, been sidestepping this thing. So, Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Danny Alfonso. Danny, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it.
0: I'm glad to have you with us. You do seem, Manatee seems like it's been somehow dodging bullets. You got your 2020 show in prior to the pandemic hitting, and then you just managed to sneak your 2021 show in, um, for the folks inside Florida Fairs that know you, um, they're going to know, they're going to listen to this, and they're going to know exactly who you are, but for the folks listening from outside Florida, can you give some quick background before we get to your fair on how you came to be with the Manatee County Fair?
1: Uh, okay, um, I I spent uh, 32 years in the uh, telecommunication industry. Um, I retired from uh, uh, from Frontier Communications in August of last year uh, when I accepted the assistant manager position uh, because our, our previous fair manager, Dan West, who uh, is tremendous, tremendous uh, talent uh, and had done a great job uh, promoting our fair and putting our fair together for 19 years. He actually moved on to become the Federation of the Florida Federation Affairs Director. And uh, he left us in in February and then I became uh, the fair manager at that time.
0: So I'm curious, did you always want to work in fairs or was this something that kind of came up uh, as an opportunity and you took it?
1: Well, the manager. it it wasn't, uh, if you would have told me five years ago that I'd have been, uh, become the fair manager, I'd have said you were nuts. Uh, I've been involved with Manatee County Fair for over 20 years. Uh, Been part of the livestock uh, department. I started out, uh, my wife and I started out. Uh, my wife, Kim, of 30 years, uh, we started out in the uh, livestock department. We were the barn superintendents for the steers, uh, and we served in that role for 12 years. Uh, and uh, actually, my wife, uh, she served, uh, I believe, for 13 years. I, they asked me to uh, come on as an associate director. And then in 2011, I became a full director on the Livestock Committee uh, so I've been very, very much part of the Manatee County Fair has been part of, of our family and me as a child uh, growing up, I can remember coming to the Manatee County Fair as, as a, as a little one show and, and, and uh, watching my cousin's uh, show here. We, cause I actually grew up in Tampa. So
0: got it. So born and raised in the area, you end up with the Manatee County Fair. You say, uh, did I hear you say correctly, you and your wife have been married for 30 years?
1: Yeah. And, uh, actually in two weeks, it'll be 31 years. Yes.
0: Oh, well, congratulations on that. I got to say though, I I'm missing something cause you only look about 40.
1: <laughs> so. uh, if you would, if you would have seen me two weeks ago, you would have thought I was 70.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. During <laughs> so, fair, time, fair, time, fair time. I
1: get it. Fair time. Nobody warned me about the, uh, the, uh, fair manager stress level. Uh, and the stress level diet that you're on, even though there's fair food all around you, you don't have time to eat, you don't feel like eating, and you don't get any sleep. So I did the good news is I lost 17 pounds during that time frame wouldn't recommend that diet. uh, But it's, I'm gonna try to keep it off. So but thank you, man, I
0: didn't catch COVID-19. But I did gain the COVID-19 in the last year. So I might need to try that diet. (laughs) I might need your advice on that one. Hey, if it's you weren't, not, don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't working in the fair industry, what do you think you'd be doing?
1: Uh, something in the agriculture industry. And, and I feel that, uh, I couldn't be in a better job than to promote agriculture. Cause that's what, that that was one of the biggest things we had 770, uh, youth live livestock exhibitors that were registered, uh, in our fair this year. And, We really need to give continue giving them an opportunity to show the skills uh, and to to be able to showcase all the time and effort that they put in to getting their their animals, their livestock, or or uh, their arts and crafts, uh, or um, the plants that they they have raised to get to this fair. So it was it it was uh, it was a huge. undertaking to even try to put this fair, uh, to, to get everything worked out, but we had to, Uh, the kids needed it. Uh, our vendors, our vendors, uh, couldn't go another year like they did last year. And we were just hoping to be able to give, uh, a springboard, uh, to the industry again, to get, to get things going and and show that this can be done.
0: Well, I, I sure think it was a springboard because, I mean, you're right, even though you did have a 2020 fair because you were in January before the pandemic hit, so many of your vendors, especially, and I know a lot of them, you know, because I work the Florida market, um, it, they may have gotten in with you guys in 21, but then by the end of February and begin in middle of March, they, the wheels came off the bus. And, you know, when you're a, a concessionaire and you only get eight weeks out of your, you know, 40 some odd weeks you do during the year that can spell big trouble for you. So I, you know, I just got to say, um, it really seems like y'all were one of the lucky ones. If you would talk for a minute about how it felt sitting in Florida, you'd had a 20, a 2020 fair, but then all your colleagues, their fairs all started canceling, you know, poor Miami was like 15 minutes from opening. How are you feeling watching, watching this? How are you feeling for your colleagues as the wheels come off the bus?
1: It, it, it was it was truly devastating to me. I was actually uh, at the time that it was really uh, going crazy was uh, March sixteenth. Uh, I was at a uh, Show Works. Uh, Show Works is a, a program that we use uh, for our livestock entries. I was actually at a clinic learning more about Show Works and and the inner workings of it and all the um, the different. 4-H leaders and advisors and, and, and livestock managers that were there at that conference with me, everybody's phones started going uh, going nuts and all the 4-H leaders. Uh, when I say 4-H leaders, the extension, all, all their college, the, the, the colleges, the extension agents uh, uh, offices, they were calling them saying that they were going to have to be on quarantine. We were worried about the 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 airports, you know, not being able to get a flight. Back out of Texas, back home. Uh, so it would—I mean, it was—it was being that far away from home, and then actually seeing it. It—it was—it was rough. And then uh, our sister fair, uh, Sarasota, they were the same thing. Uh, they were supposed to—they were—they were literally had their gates manned, ready to go, and um, the, the the plug got pulled on them. So I can't imagine what the vendors felt like. I mean, I know the vendors had, uh, especially the fairs that, that got canceled at the last minute, that was a lot of money that they had tied up in product, um, mm-hmm. that they couldn't use and they, they couldn't use, they couldn't say, well, we'll just freeze it and use it the next show. Cause there wasn't a next show. So it was, uh, I, 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 I truly felt bad for our industry as a whole, um, And we had no idea that it was going to last as long as it did, you know, beginning, we thought it was, you know, 30 days to slow the spread. Well, you know, here we are nine months later, we need to get, we need to get uh, our vendors back to work again.
0: Yeah. We're coming up, uh, believe it or not, on one year of 15 days to flatten the curve. Right. So, um, so you're very, you know, you, you didn't cancel, but as cancellations came in, you guys are uh uh year round facility. Yeah. Did you have, um, non-fair events that ended up taking a hit in 2020?
1: We took a big hit on our, not from March. Uh, we canceled everything on the grounds from March all the way through, uh, August. Uh, and then we, and then we had a couple other small events uh, or I shouldn't say small events, but we had a couple of dog shows that did, did happen in September did have a circus in november uh but for the most part we were not back to full rental capacity yet
0: uh, sure and so many fairs you guys the majority of um marla calico was telling me when i interviewed her that like some 80 some odd percent of fares actually derive the majority of their revenue from non-fair rentals not from the fair itself so that i mean that even though you guys had your fair that still becomes a big hit for you I'm curious, though, from a leadership standpoint, what are some of the key things that you begin uh, doing to respond to this crisis? Uh,
1: Well, more marketing of our, well, you can't, we, all the marketing in the world's not going to help you if the public isn't, if they don't need a venue uh, of this, uh, of either our Veterans Hall or Mosaic Arena. So you can say, well, we can market it more well. Until the civic organizations and, and uh, the community as a whole truly feels comfortable and safe to be able to have gatherings and not see a spike, uh, it, it's, um, it, we're still in a wait-and-see mode, but that's what, we're, that's what we're hoping is that we, we were able to show that, yes, this can be done, and it can be done safely, uh, and that we we need to, everybody kind of needs to get, get back to work.
0: Sure. Now, while a huge majority of the industry had to face a decision to open or cancel their 2020 fair, um, your decision, since your fair had already happened ultimately came down to your 2021 fair. Um, you guys decide to have the fair and you open, take us through that decision-making process to actually open in 2021.
1: Well, the conversation, uh, every year uh, our executive committee is is phenomenal. And we started, as soon as this happened, uh, we started meeting and, and throwing out ideas and things that we needed to, to change. Uh, on our normal year, we select all of our entertainment in June. Then we start, uh, once we have our entertainment selected, then we start working on our sponsorship, then our vendors, uh, and then just firming everything up from about August on, you know, all the, all the rental of the equipment, uh, pipes and drape, um, you, you put your wrapping, your finishing touches on it at that point. Uh, this year, because of COVID, uh, we didn't, we didn't have that time period. Our, our executive committee actually, our, our full board of directors actually voted October 6th to move forward with the fair. So where we normally had, you know, six, seven months, eight months to to plan the fair. We did it in about 65 days from the time it was voted on to opening the gates.
0: That's a speed record right there.
1: That's, the, there's your 17 pounds.
0: <laughs> that, yeah, that's impressive. Cause you know, for so many fairs that had to cancel, it wasn't even so much of, you know, because of community spread or, or necessarily risk of the virus, but they just ran out of time to get their fair you know, they, they closed in, as Jerry Hammer said, for Minnesota, they ran out of runway to get that plane in the air. And so for you guys to be able to turn this thing around in the conditions that you, you had to deal with, um, that's pretty impressive. I'm curious if you had pushback um, from your community when you announced you were going to have the fair. No,
1: actually, it was a, it was a complete opposite. We had uh, uh, support from our community. Uh, of course, we, we did have some people that were concerned about us being a super spreader. And we have been paying attention to the numbers. Uh, our seven-day positivity at the beginning, the day before our fair uh, was, uh, the, the day before we opened was a 9.24. And um, as of uh, yesterday's numbers, uh, we're at a 7.24. So what there was, and there was no big spike. We were expecting, we knew that there was gonna be uh a pretty good spike leading up to us because we opened on uh, january 14th so, so that you're is still exactly. dealing
0: with the fallout from christmas from holiday get-togethers the holiday and get
1: together so that th- that's when the the big spike was uh, 14 days after new year's eve so when you know the new year's eve parties so you were sure. seeing that spike and then um so but that number once our gates opened it never it never got above uh the the day we opened it was 8.86 and then it steadily fell from that number
0: and you guys are you're just about are you exactly two weeks or not quite two weeks from your closing
1: uh uh, sunday will be two weeks it'll be 14 days the the the, i've got two more days to to look at the data got it Uh, but today's numbers uh from a, a call that i was on this morning today's numbers look uh, like they're still trending in the in the right direction and still going down.
0: So that's terrific. And just for reference for the listeners, we're recording this on February fifth. Um, and you guys finished what about the twenty-fifth of January?
1: Twenty-fourth. Twenty-fourth of January. I'm gonna go all the way, I'm gonna look at that data all the way till Sunday.
0: This kind of ha- have you been uh it's been a nervous time for you. I know when we spoke with um from the Wyoming State Fair, we spoke with Courtney conkle and they had their fair and um, she told me she was kind of a wreck for that two weeks afterwards, just holding her breath, hoping that nothing would happen.
1: I'm, I'm feeling better, uh, each day as, as we get farther and farther away from it. Um, I'm, I'm feeling, uh, much more, um, uh, confidence, not the word, but, uh, much more comfortable and, that we were able to have a successful fair without, um, uh, causing a spike.
0: Can you talk about some of the mitigation strategies that you had in place on your fairgrounds? Cause I know I've spoken just for context on that. Having spoken this season so far since the beginning of January with 20 other guests, the majority of whom are on the fair management side of the equation, all of them have said, they're watching you very closely, West Palm, very closely, these first, you know, three to five fairs that might go off in Florida, they're keeping a real close eye on. Um, So if you could for them, What's uh, what are some of the mitigation strategies you looked at?
1: Well, uh, we have we have eleven different committees that work together uh, to put on our fair, and we like I said we started in early early uh, March April, and we had meetings almost every month with each committee trying to come up with different ways um, of changing our schedule around, changing reducing the amount of people uh, gathered in one place at one time, so. Uh, you have to start with your planning process. And, and just for an example, our livestock committee, uh, they met and, and normally we have, uh, we have one arena that we house the animals in and also have the show ring in. Uh, what we did there was on our normal fair season, we have about approximately 200 head of hogs and about 150 dairy that are in the barn at the same time. Uh, So when you figure one exhibitor and two parents, that's up to 900 people in the barn at one time without any shows. Uh, So we knew that we needed to address that situation. And we also, and then the second week and the steer, uh, the swine and the dairy are normally in uh, for uh, six days. And then the steers and the beef breeding, they come in for five days. Uh, Well, this year, what we did uh, was everything was in three days in, three days out. So uh, unfortunately, our beef breeding heifers, uh, our beef breeding animals that came in this year, they were actually three days before our gates even opened. So they came in on a a Sunday. They were there Monday. Uh, Monday night, we had their show. Uh, Tuesday night, we had their showmanship. They hauled out Tuesday night. Wednesday, we brought in the steers. Uh, to again, mitigate the number of people that were going to be in the, in the barn at one time. Steers went out on Saturday uh, Sunday. We brought in the dairy animals. Uh, dairy was here Saturday, Sunday night, Monday night. They left Tuesday, uh, sanitized the barn, flipped the barn around, brought in all the swine bins. And then the, and then the swine were there from uh, Wednesday, uh, yeah, Wednesday evening till Sunday morning. So that was one of the, that was, the, we were really trying to focus on how we um, mitigate the number of people in the, in the arena at one time. Uh, something else we did in the arena, uh, we have grandstands that normally seats anywhere between 1,800 and 2,000 people. And with the social distancing, we actually uh, taped off every other, every other uh, row, and then we went six, we did groups of four seats and we put our, our sticker, uh, our fare sticker that said sit here. Uh, and then we went six feet in each direction with tape measure and had everything all set uh, six feet apart. Mm-hmm. So our, our building that normally, our seating that normally had about 2,000 people, uh, we were down to about 750. Uh, sure. That you could actually fit in there. And for our sales, uh, we knew uh, the two—our swine sale and our steer sale—we uh, bought it, brought in a huge—it's um, sixteen, it's uh, twelve feet tall by sixteen feet wide—a big video board, and we actually had cameramen. That actually, we moved it over to another section of the uh, arena. We moved it down one section because we knew we weren't going to be able to get the normal people in there. Uh, and so they we, we were able to spread everybody out. They were still in the same building uh, with the uh, with the auctioneer, and they actually could see the auctioneer. And, and we were taking bids uh, throughout our whole grandstands. So that was the, that was something that we did for livestock, uh, arts and crafts. Uh, we did do away with our live demonstrations uh, this year. We went to more uh, static uh, demonstrations, and we we had some really 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 great static uh, demonstrations in there. Of course, we had all of our, the arts and crafts that are uh, your typical uh, arts and crafts, but we had a, a local sculptor that, uh, we have uh, a manatee, uh, which is, is our logo, but we, have, we had a manatee that was a 63 year old manatee that passed away a couple of years uh, that we had in the, uh, our uh, downtown um, Aquarium Center and it passed away well we had a sculptor that made a clay uh mod, full life-size model it's 10 feet wow. wide, long by five feet wide he made that he, and he sculpted that um uh, raised up on where the manatees up on the wall that has his name underneath it that says snooty i mean it it, it as a kid i remember going and seeing snooty um at the planetarium there and um uh, so, and then he had a, he had a, the last living Buffalo soldier. He did a full life sculpture. He did a sculpture of Jessica Lynch. Uh, so there was a lot of really, really neat um, additions that we had in there. And we also made that building uh, one directional. We had it one way in. And so it was just a big uh, loop. One set of doors and you come out the other and you just looped around all of the stuff, uh, all of the um, displays. Um as far as as protocols that we put in place, we, we strongly recommended everyone wear a face mask. Uh, we don't have a governor's mask mandate here in Florida, uh, nor did we have a county mandate. So we strongly recommended it whenever social distancing couldn't be maintained. We did require the masks in, in our buildings, which is was the arts and crafts building, and then in Veterans Hall where we had all, all of our vendors uh, set up, and that was also set up for directional. Um, and, and then all of our walkways, uh, we had big directional arrows. Uh, we had everything separated. Uh, so you knew which way you were supposed to go with the directional arrows. We even had wrong way signs posted. So if you <laughs> came in, you know you knew you were, you were going the wrong way. Uh, and we asked, we really relied on the public to help us uh, follow our protocols and have a, have a safe and successful fare
0: uh, how was also, mass, how was mass compliance when you you needed it
1: it, it was it, it it was good uh, it wasn't um, to the level that we would have hoped but after watching the uh, the seven day positivity average go down um, I, I don't it, it was i'll say it was it was it was good enough let's put it that way Yeah. So you
0: got all this in place, all these mitigation strategies in place. And at some point you open the fair, the Ferris wheel lights up and it's go time. What's the feeling on the grounds from you, your staff, your entertainers, your concessionaires? What's the what's the vibe is that Ferris wheel lights up that first night and you guys are actually open?
1: Uh, Relief, jubilation and just flat out tired, really just, uh, I personally, I was, I was tired by that point, by that first day, uh, just because of what it took, uh, the culmination of it, of getting there. Uh, and, but I do need to add one more thing that we, we purchased an additional 37 hand sanitizing stations and we had them everywhere. Within 50 feet of each other, there was a hand sanitizing station. Um, for the fare managers out there, we took that hand sanitizing station one step farther um, on each sanitizing station, I had the office number on there, and it actually said, "If this if this station needs service, please call at our office number." And each one of them were numbered, and all of my, uh, my grounds crew guys had a map, uh, so they so if, some, if we did get a call in the office and somebody said station five uh, is is not is malfunctioning. They would either take fresh batteries over there, uh, go over and fill it up. Or if it didn't work, they had two screws, they unscrewed it and put a brand new unit on there and had it back up and working within minutes. Uh, so, and and we we asked the public to use them and they did. They, for the most part, they, we went around every morning and um, filled them, checked the batteries. Uh, and the, the public did use the hand sanitizing stations.
0: Good. You know, I've said a lot of times on the show that of all the industries across this country, the fair industry is probably the most prepared to deal with the pandemic because, you know, we've dealt with E. coli outbreaks and we've dealt with H1N1 and avian flus and all these other different nasty viruses and bacteria that can wreak havoc. Uh, But for some reason, governments across the country want to say, no, Walmart can open and, you know, Disney World can open, but, you know, the fairs and whatnot, got to stay closed. So, It's really nice to be able to see that uh, fairs are opening and I think Wyoming proved it. I think you guys are proving it, that um, we can have safe events. You know, I, I was able to watch several of Marla Calico's live streams on Facebook and, you know, it was really nice seeing so many friends down there, you know, getting to see you and, and Jim Ward and Dan and, and Jay Spicer and company. And um, I got to tell you between those videos and seeing, Photos and videos of of my friends who are entertainers up at the RV Super Show in Tampa, my heart started racing a little bit. Like, there's some, all of a sudden we got a pulse. Like, we got an opportunity here. It was exciting to see some movement in our industry. And I understand if I heard one of those live videos correctly, y'all may have set some records with livestock sales.
1: Yes. Is that correct?
0: What can you tell us about that?
1: Uh, the community, like I said, the community was tremendous. Uh, the support, and and when you when you asked what was the you know what was the pulse of everyone, uh, there wasn't anybody here that didn't have a huge smile on their face. And I can't tell you how many times I was personally thanked for for moving forward with the fair. Uh, but yes, our our steer sale. Um, our, our steer sale was the first weekend, and uh, they aver- we averaged $5.15 a pound, and not uh, any of our steers went for less than $4 a pound. Uh, our swine sale, the average was $6.16 a pound, and nothing went uh, less than $5 a pound. So those are record numbers for us. Um, and like I what said, do you for
0: those for those people listening um, that may not have an idea of what those um, those animals typically go out per pound? Uh, what kind of record are you talking? You know, when you're saying you were at you know six dollars six sixteen or whatever a pound, what would you typically have sold those for?
1: Uh, the average is normally uh, around three fifty uh, for the wow. steer. It's closer to three fifty a pound uh, for the hogs. It's a little bit more. Uh, they're probably closer to the, um, uh, four, seventy five. So, uh, so it's not know.
0: like you were making records by a few pennies. You were making it by dollars per pound. That's correct. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's correct. You know, so that's why it was important to, to do this for this kid, these kids. And I'm, I just can't thank our community enough, uh, not just for coming out and supporting the fair, but the way they, uh, just lovingly uh, bestowed, uh, paid the kids for, for, for going through what they, what they've been through. And I think that is the biggest thing is uh, something that we, uh, I think has been lost uh, focus on is our kids, Uh, our kids, uh, our 4-H and our FFA kids. Those are, they are going to all be productive members of society yeah. and to pay these kids back for their hard work um, I, I just really really thank our, our community for coming together and doing that and I there were several people that told me that first day they came to buy a steer and they couldn't get one bought because the prices kept you know every time they thought they had one the price would go up even a little it bit priced before. them out <laughs> yeah there was and we had a lot of new buyers this year a lot of new buyers
0: that's, you know, that's a good problem to have, though. I mean, I, I suppose for those members of your community that, you know, were thinking they were going to do something nice and, and buy something at, at you know, four fifty dollars or $5 and they were going to be, they were going to be the ones that stepped up and, and somebody else outbid them. I, I think that's a good, uh, that's a good auction to lose because it does do so much for your kids. I know all through the year, whenever I was looking at Facebook posts and fairs had to cancel, you know there was nobody on there going, well, what about, you know, the concessionaires or what about the magician or what about the juggler? But all these people were saying, what about the kids and their livestock? That was the comment consistently on fair cancellation posts. Everybody was concerned about that. Um, clearly 4-H and FFA, um, have a, a big place in the heart of your community. And, and I know for me as a performer, whenever I see those blue jackets, um, you know, walking down the, the sidewalk or walking down the street at the fair and they're coming over to see me doing Conjure Fortune Machine. I always know I'm dealing with some of the best behaved and most respectful kids anywhere. That blue jacket just says something about those kids. They really do great work.
1: You're absolutely right. And, and what is really neat for me uh, is I'm seeing kids that showed with uh, my son when he was growing up. Uh, he showed steers here at, at the fair uh, I saw, I see kids that are now their kids, uh, I've been here long enough to see now if their kids are showing. Uh, but when you think about it, uh, just about every exhibitor in our barn, either their parents showed at Manatee County Fair or their grandparent or their great grandparent. We have generations uh, of kids that, that uh, show here because their great grandfather Showed here as well. So it, it's, uh, it's truly a family tradition.
0: That's pretty wild. How was attendance overall for your fair, um, 21 versus 20?
1: Uh, 20, 20 was a record year for us. So when we compare to 20, uh, we were down a little bit, but we have to, there's, there's two things that we, uh, that were, we have to consider, uh, the first Friday night was a complete rain out for us. Uh. Uh, so, we lost, uh, and, and our Friday and Saturday nights are our, our big our big uh, times, uh, so we'd lost a, a complete Friday night washout, and then the, unfortunately, our cheerleading competition this year, uh, due to COVID, uh, FHSAA, uh, or the Florida High School uh, uh, Association, Athletic Association, they had moved their dates, uh, un- unbeknownst to us, they had moved their state competition to the Friday, be- Friday and Saturday before uh, our normal competition on our last Sunday. Mm. And according to their guidelines, they can't have any other competition. None of the schools can compete after state competition. So uh, that normally brings in another 1,500 to, to 2,000 uh, people on Sunday. And uh, we didn't have, we didn't, we weren't able to have that event either. So With that said, we were we're, we were down uh, approximately twenty three to twenty five percent. We don't have the the complete final numbers in yet, but that's where that's about where down from last year, uh, which was a record year. Yeah. Uh, So again, the community support was uh, phenomenal. They came out.
0: Yeah, that's terrific. What was your favorite thing to see about the fair this year?
1: Just seeing everybody. it is truly, it's the one time a year that I get to see uh, friends uh, that you don't, you, you don't see all the time, but when you see them, it's like you, you never, you pick right up where you were uh, from the previous year. So it wasn't just me. It was, that is our community, uh, just seeing everybody, uh, just be able to, to enjoy life. Uh, you know, for, for 11 days. Uh, And it was, it was every day. It was, it was, it was fun to be here.
0: Has the past year taught you anything about yourself?
1: Uh, Don't be afraid. Uh, Some of my big, my biggest fear was what was the media? How was the media going to uh, try to get me in a gotcha moment? And I lost a lot of sleep over uh, the media and, and how the questions were going to go and if I was going to have a deer in the headlights look. Uh, so what it taught me, uh, and, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I am a Christian man. I believe in the Lord. And he told me to rely on him. Uh, the, my first, from, from the very first interview I did, uh, they wanted to make it about us being a social uh, this or this being a super spreader event. of them worse you know your protocols and you tell and you and you share the protocols and you ask the public to help you uh they can't they can't take it to a negative area and by the end of the interview uh that they were on they were pulling for us you know when you list all your protocols and you 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 list everything that everything that you have done. You make you share it. Don't don't hold hold back. Uh, tell everybody what you have done, uh, so they know that this isn't something that just happened overnight. There was a lot of thought, a lot of preparation, over preparation actually, uh, and just be willing to uh, share that because if if people hear everything and all the planning they're going to feel safe. They're going to, f- it's going to be on them whether they want to come. And, and I, and I, I'm, I am not saying COVID is not uh, something serious. Uh, and t- I'll be straight up. My, my father, uh, he has asthma and diabetes. And I asked him, dad, please don't come. Right. Uh, and, and there were, there were some people, you know, if, if you have previous uh, ex- pre-existing health conditions, uh, you, they need to, uh, make that decision on their own,
0: even right. though
1: we put all these protocols in place, um, you still, that's, that's their decision to make, not mine. Uh, so going back to your original question, what did I learn? Don't be scared. Don't, don't live in fear. Um, just have faith and, and, have confidence you put the work in you've done the research share it just share it uh, the best you can
0: yeah and i've you know i've continued to say and and i hope that other other payers will be able to use this when it comes time to talking to their media you know i think they should remind them listen we're an industry that's dealt with e coli we're an industry that's dealt with h1n1 with avian flu we've dealt with these things this is you know, this is this may look a little different at scale, but that just means that our response needs to scale different. Like you said, you know, we've always we've had hand hand washing stations and and hand sanitizing stations forever. So now maybe we have double or triple the number. That's correct. We can do that. We we've done it before we deal even on a, even on a year when there's no pandemic, no real virus issues, you're still dealing with livestock, man. Like you got to make sure you have an opportunity for your guests to, you don't want them to go to the petting zoo and then be like, here, let me go eat a cheeseburger. That's a bad idea. Uh,
1: I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, one thing that I did fail to mention was uh, another, you uh, Two days prior to the fair, we had a company called uh, Suncoast Bactronics. They came in and um, treated our entire fairgrounds, our bleachers, our picnic tables, everything with an antimicrobial uh, treatment, which uh, does not, living organisms can't uh, grow on it. It, it, it right. kills them. And I would highly recommend checking into that Um we tested the fairgrounds uh, three days after and then, uh, the company that we use, they had a 30-day guarantee uh, on the antimicrobial treatment. And we tested it two days after, and it was still uh, very, very much. I haven't, of course, I haven't tested it here lately, but uh, we tested it two days after the fair and it, it, it did its job. Uh, uh, the only, uh, one, of the, one of the things that he actually tested was the uh, handle on the men's urinal, uh, you know, because that's, that's the probably the worst case scenario. And it was so far below the numbers, he couldn't believe it. Wow. Uh, I did have a, I did have a, a sanitizing crew, uh, even though we treated them with the antimicrobial, we did have a sanitizing crew uh, throughout the day, going down, wiping down all of the t- picnic tables. Uh, and then after every show uh, that we had in the arena, we would go through there and we would use the uh, electrostatic uh, disinfectant sprayers and, and spray the entire uh, bleachers and and grandstands area.
0: So So you guys had a really comprehensive mitigation plan. It sounds like it was, it was very thorough.
1: Yes. And, and, and this, again, this is my first year in the industry. Uh, I do have to, uh, I want to give Danny Aguilar from the Delaware state fair uh, a lot of credit. Um, I went uh, during, you know, uh, during July of last year, Delaware. Uh, they did have their state fair, and I went up there and spent four days uh, trying to learn how do you put a fair on uh, in the middle of COVID. And I have to tell you, uh, you know, a lot of people are pointing to me, but I want to make sure that Danny uh, Aguilar uh, gets a lot of credit because he took a lot of time. Uh, answered all uh, every question I I asked. Uh, Of course, they're, they're a different, they're, they're a lot bigger event than we are. Uh, So we had taken some additional steps that, that we needed to for our uh, smaller venue. Uh, But Danny really, Danny Aguilar really uh, laid the groundwork and gave me a great foundation uh, to continue building on.
0: Well, I know he's a, uh, you know, he's a, pretty big player in the game and in, in this industry and he knows what he's doing. He's been doing it a real long time. Um, I, I'm pretty sure we're, we're getting him, uh, working on trying to get him scheduled to be on the show. Cause I'd love to know, you know, what their strategies were and, and how they approach things. Um, I see we're kind of getting close to being out of time here. Just a couple more questions for you. What are you most grace, grateful for in the last year?
1: Uh God's grace is sufficient for me. Uh, God carried me through this. uh, And first and foremost, uh, how he did, he provided. Uh, Didn't matter what the hurdle was, uh, God provided way. And I'll give you just one, I'll give you one example. And I have many, 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 many of these every day. Uh, We have a distinguished citizen uh, luncheon every year before our fair. And I had asked uh, one of our entertainers to come sing the national anthem. Uh, Well, it was 1130. Our our event started at noon. So I I reached out to him and he, he, unfortunately, he had, he had forgotten about it. His birthday, birthday was the day before he had forgotten to come sing the national anthem. So here I am 30 minutes beforehand, his name's in the program uh, as singing the national anthem. And I'm going, what am I going to do? And I just went to my fair queens and I asked, uh, I asked them all, I said, can any of y'all sing? And little Lauren raised her hand and she says, I sing, I can sing the national anthem. Uh, I actually sing the national anthem at the Pirates games over at Leecom Field. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's good. I said, that, that's gonna work. Uh, I got up there and, and introduced her and I can't tell you, I'm standing there listening to this young lady sing the national anthem and it couldn't have been more perfect. Uh, and, and, and it could not have been a better fit. I had tears coming down my eyes and, and I just said, God, your plan's better than mine. Yeah. And, um, that's how every day, every time, no matter what the hurdle was, God provided, and He was He had a better plan than my plan A.
0: Well, that's uh, terrific story, Danny. I'd love to hear that. I mean, especially for you know a, a young kid like that to step up and be like, "Yeah, I can. I got a handle on this. I'll do it uh, on the spot." That's terrific.
1: That's exactly right. So, uh, what am I thankful for? God's provisioning and 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 His plan, and and secondly, our community um, that came out uh, and and supported our kids supported our vendors in a huge, huge way.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Listen, I see we're just out of time now. I'm glad you could be on the show today. Before we go, everyone who comes on my show goes through a really quick series of speed round questions. I'm going to ask you a handful of quick questions. You give me your best answer, and uh, and we'll go from there. You ready? Yes, sir. If I check your music app right now, which artist will have played the most?
1: Uh. I don't really. I, I probably George Strait.
0: Boots or sneakers? Oh, boots. Peanut butter. Should it be creamy or crunchy?
1: Uh, creamy.
0: Amen. On an airplane, do you prefer the window seat or the aisle seat? The aisle seat. First celebrity crush.
1: Ooh. Um. She had green eyes. She was a model uh, when I was in high school, and I can't remember her name right
0: now. Was it Kathy Ireland? That's her. Yeah, she was the only model I remember as a young kid who had green eyes. Kathy Ireland. (laughs) Last question. If a movie was made about your life, speaking of famous people, which actor would you want to play you? Sam Elliott. Oh, yeah. I dig Sam. Uh, he looks nothing like me, but
1: I think he's a cool actor.
0: Yeah, he really is. He's got that look about him that you just, you know, he commands respect, commands attention wherever he goes. Danny, I know a lot of people in the industry are keeping a close eye on Florida fairs this winter. Um, if people want to contact you about how you your mitigation strategies or whatnot, where can they get a hold of you?
1: Uh, they can either uh, you can email me. My email is Danny D A N N Y at Manatee County Fair.com. Uh, my office number is 941 722 1639, and my cell phone is 941 737 6820.
0: Fantastic. Danny Alfonso, Fair Manager for the Manatee County Fair in Palmetto, Florida. Really appreciate your time today. Congratulations on managing to dodge this pandemic bullet the way you have. We wish you continued success in 2021. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.